someone really go undercover in the CIA? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 22, overall Episode 101, if you're counting, of the Real Spies, Real Lives podcast. This is where we talk about writing, spies, and writing about spies. I'm your host, espionage author P.A. Duncan. In my upcoming new novel, 23 Days to Go, one of my main characters, Mai Fisher, is sent by the head of the UN Directorate, Nelson, on an unusual mission inside the CIA. As in, she's a directorate operative undercover in the country's most extensive intelligence agency. That might work, you say, if she were a junior analyst or, say, a janitor, but no. Her position is the CIA chief of staff, almost a co-equal to the assistant director of operations. Is that even plausible? Government agencies do swap employees all the time under a number of programs designed to have federal employees gain experiences in other federal agencies that they can return and apply to their original employers. I participated in several of those programs and had brief stays in other parts of the FAA outside of my area of expertise. But my longest experience was nearly a year in the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. NHTSA, as it's called, does for cars kind of what the FAA does for aircraft and airlines and mechanics. They set standards, but they more or less trust the industry to live up to those standards, whereas in the FAA... We had surveillance and programs where we went out to inspect aircraft. So there was a little bit of a difference, but the overall job of each agency was safety. Car safety for NHTSA, aviation safety for the FAA. And of course, there are internships in government agencies, some paid, some unpaid. I had a number of internships in my agency, and when I became a management puke, I hosted a lot of interns, some of whom had aviation backgrounds and some who didn't. And they were usually college students who simply wanted an understanding of how government worked. So I checked with a friend of mine, And the CIA does indeed offer internships, though the qualifications are fairly stringent and specific, and the prospective intern has to pass a background check. 
Like my agency, the Federal Aviation Administration and others, an internship can often lead to a job in that agency. And I'm sure that's true in the CIA. Who would pass up talented employees? But the mission my Fisher is on in my fiction is beyond the scope of job swapping and internships. She has to convince those around her. She is a longtime CIA case officer named Catherine Burke, who worked for more than two decades on overseas postings under numerous classified cover identities and who ran networks of spies known only to her and her supervisor, who happens to be dead. Now, the CIA and other intelligence agencies have had spies in their midst. Notably in the CIA, Aldra James, who carted shopping bags full of documents out of the CIA building and handed them over to the Soviets. My scenario in my novel isn't the same. Yes, Mai is telling what she learns about the White House's actions and plans to Nelson, but he and the director of the CIA have arranged this. She's doing this with the knowledge of the CIA director and under his aegis. The reason for this is based on some historical truth. Some people in the Bush administration from day one, wanted a war with Iraq, more so than invading Afghanistan to hunt Osama bin Laden after 9-11. But they went along with that while they built a case based on false intelligence supplied by the CIA to invade Iraq as well. As part of that, they kept a lot of United Nations NGOs, non-government organizations, out of Afghanistan. In my fiction, that was to keep the directorate out of watching what the administration was doing. So Nelson needed someone on the inside. The CIA director agrees, so he and Nelson activate a contingency plan that Nelson and previous CIA directors had developed over a number of years. My fictional CIA director knows the best way for Mai to see what she needs to see is at the highest level of access as his chief of staff. So for this to work, Mai not only has to operate under a cover identity, in this case, Catherine Burke, a former MI5 officer to account for her British accent, who didn't want to spy in her own country and who was then hired by the CIA to work missions in Europe. But she also has to have what's called a legend, an extensive but fake background sometimes all the way back to birth and with all the various documentation of one's life events, diplomas, personnel records, medical history, vaccination records, pay slips, leave history, marriage records, divorce records, etc. Anything and everything that you or I have to prove who we say we are. 
driver's licenses, social security cards, credit cards, library cards, or even grocery store rewards accounts. Can you imagine a spy carrying a Kroger card? So it has to be anything that makes Catherine Burke a believable person. For Nelson's contingency plan to work, records in the CIA would have to be created, records for a 25-year history of an employee. I know for the 30-plus years I worked at the FAA, every form, letter, etc. regarding my work that went into my official personnel file, I received a copy for my own file. And that file that I kept was close to a foot thick by the time I retired. It's somewhere in my house up in my attic, and it contains every travel order, record of payment of travel expenses, every pay slip, every notification of promotion or salary increase, every award I earn, every letter of commendation. It's a complete history of my work. Indeed, a person at the Office of Personnel Management, where these official files are kept for the entire U.S. government, could open my file and trace exactly what I did in the FAA over that 30 years, what offices I worked in, what people I worked for, what people worked for me. It's extensive. Now, I take pride in the fact that in that 30 plus years, I didn't have a single disciplinary action or letter of warning. A few verbal warnings about running my mouth, yes, but that was to be expected for a woman working in a male-dominated industry. Nothing in writing because, hello, I was right every time when I ran off at the mouth. Anyway, a lot of pieces of paper have to be in place to back up an employee's employment history in a federal agency. And as I said, eventually, those official records are digitized, stored by the Office of Personnel Management, OPM, in a database somewhere that the Chinese hacked a few years back, not for identity theft but to get an idea of the background of people in specific jobs so the Chinese could build legends for their own spies. So, if you ever come across a mouthy Chinese spy, meh. For my fiction to work, there has to be an extensive employment file on Catherine Burke. And as with most legends, Nelson has built in some actual events from Mai's past. That makes the legend easier for an operative to live under. You don't have to remember a lot of unfamiliar details. You still have unfamiliar details that you've got to bring up as if it were your own memory, but at least you have the context of some of your own life experiences to fall back on. So with this concept of one agency's spy or, or operative 
being a spy in another intelligence agency work in real life? I'd like to think it wouldn't, that there are too many checks and balances in place. But I did write a novel based on a real Russian spy in the FBI who was successful for almost 30 years. And Aldra James, who I mentioned before, worked in the CIA and sold its secrets for more than a decade. They were both caught, yes, but not until after they'd both done a great deal of damage. Now, doing damage to the CIA is not Mai's mission. And so I did take some dramatic license in making this work in this novel, namely that the fictional CIA director has people he can trust in key parts of the agency who would assure Catherine Burke's legend held up to any scrutiny. And even though some in the fictional Arbust administration are suspicious of her, namely the vice president, the CIA director has an arrangement with the president to do what he needs to do in certain arenas. So, Catherine Burke, a.k.a. My Fisher, UN spy, has some protection. Still, if anyone is going to criticize anything about this book, other than my obvious politics and probably my typos, it'll likely be this undercover in the CIA mission, which is the backbone of the novel. And I'm not talking about the book's spine, but rather the fact that after the day of 9-11 and its immediate aftermath, all of what happens in book one of meeting the enemy is dependent on that mission, stems from my being Catherine Burke, chief of staff in the CIA. So could my Fisher really be undercover in the CIA? In my world, she can and she is. And now, brief commercial time. We've got a pre-order still going and a sale this week. The pre-order is for Terror, which is book one of the series Meeting the Enemy. But I'll tell you a secret if you can't really wait for the novel to show up on your Kindle. The paperback and hardcover editions you can purchase now and get them in a few days from the Zon. The sale for the rest of this month to celebrate the launch of book one on June 25th is the novelette Reader Magnet for Terror, which is titled Prologue to Terror, because it's, well, the original prologue to the novel Terror. And it's available for your Kindle, and it's also a paperback. The ebook is 99 cents. That's the sale. But the paperback is only $3.99, regular price. I'll post the links for both books in the description of this episode. And so, that's our commercial for today. Very brief. Let's go back to the question I asked in the first part of the podcast. 
Could an operation as I've laid out happen in the CIA? I've been sharing bits of a history of the CIA on my social media in a weekly post called Spy Talk. These snippets are based on a 2007 book by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Tim Weiner entitled Legacy of Ashes, the History of the CIA. It's a great book. Certainly in its earliest years, the CIA rather blundered through its covert operations with not even mixed success, with little success. President Eisenhower saw the CIA's primary mission as gathering intelligence to be used against expansion of communism in Europe, in Asia, and in South America and Africa, basically the rest of the world. To Alan Dulles, one of the CIA's earliest directors, the CIA mission was to conduct covert operations against communism, including helping with coups, staging paramilitary actions, arming anti-communist resistance groups, even assassinations of left-leaning leaders of countries. There's a lot of folklore about how many times they tried to kill Castro and didn't succeed. Their success rate overall was dismal, and all you have to do is recall the Bay of Pigs debacle to accept that. Weiner's book is eye-opening in this regard. If you've always thought of the CIA as a smooth operating intelligence gathering and assessing machine, think again. I think Mai's undercover mission in the CIA would definitely work in those early years. In the 2000s, when meeting the enemy takes place, I think it might have worked then too. Since the CIA was in somewhat of a disarray after intelligence failures regarding 9-11. Today in the 2020s, eh, not so much. So it's a good thing I set my series 20 years ago then. Well, let's have a reading now from Terror, book one of Meeting the Enemy, and I'll set this up. So Mai has returned from Russia after obtaining information she needs to track Alexei. Nelson, however, is concerned that she was injured worse than she's saying in the collapse of the World Trade Center, so he sends her to Bethesda Naval Medical Center for a checkup and promises to explain to her when she returns what her new, old job is, was. Meeting the Enemy, Book One, Terror, Chapter 33, Directorate Headquarters. Nelson's executive assistant nodded to Mai and leaned her head toward the door to his private office giving Mai the okay to enter. When she did so, Nelson looked up from his computer. Oh, reading the doctor's report, he said. Good thing your new old job is office work. As if that's not stressful. Oh, come on, you're my most adaptive operative. Now, let's talk about you and the CIA. You want 
joking about that. No. Come into my quarters. Let me explain. Taking his canes, he gained his feet and moved deftly from the office into his living area, sitting on one of the twin sofas before the gas fireplace. Mai understood that while what he was about to discuss was business, he wanted, perhaps needed, comfort. So, that has to mean bad news, she thought. I want you in the CIA, Nelson said, once Mai was seated across from him. Your official assignment will be as Director Waller's Chief of Staff. When the CIA sends its teams into Afghanistan, you'll be sent along with them to supervise one of the paramilitary teams. You and your team will gather intel for special forces, recruit warlords to fight on the U.S. side, that is, bribe them. Again, that's your official duty. Your real assignment for me will be to search for a currently missing directorate operative. However, only you, me, and Boyd Waller know that. Oh, and any juicy intel you do come across, copy me on that. Why the CIA? Well, any UN involvement via any of its organizations and agencies, aside from some NGOs, is not authorized. But... You can send teams in under your own authority. They'd be without official status, and when you go in, I want that for you. I want all your standard protections in place. Why? Remember what you heard at the White House last week? The warning they received but didn't heed, Mai said. Her eyes narrowed at him. You had an idea that's what I was going to hear. Boyd Waller and I go back a ways. I gave him a copy of a paper Grace's folks put together back in July. His analysts confirmed it. Waller personally took it to Arbus Vacation Home in August, but no one was interested. He and I decided it was time for this contingency plan. Is this a real job change? Nelson shook his head. No, it's a cover though you'll have a nice above-ground office at Langley, all the perks associated with your position, and most importantly, Waller's access will be your access. But I will be operational. Eventually. How soon? As soon as it can be managed. Oh, and you still work for me. No escaping that, it seems she said, but with a smile. Nelson returned the smirk. Your orders will come from Waller, but the parameters and mission profile for Afghanistan will be mine. While you're in Langley, you answer only to Waller. How much leeway will I have in Langley and in Afghanistan? You'll be chief of staff of an entire government agency, so I'd say a lot. When you're in Afghanistan, that'll be your judgment. Bearing in mind, every identification you'll have on you is as a CIA employee. No, oh, in other words, a lot of leeway. I want it no other way, Nelson said. Now, your sudden appearance at Langley and in such a high-level position will garner the attention of the vice president. Waller will work it all out with the president, by the way. 
Given the toadies they've managed to sprinkle throughout the CIA, you have to live this cover tighter than any other you've ever used. With this bunch in office, anything to do with the UN has to be hidden. My rubbed the back of her neck, the extra strength aspirin given her at Bethesda, was wearing off. Nelson, how can this possibly work? I have the legend file for you to read, but the short version is, you've been a deep undercover case officer for the CIA for the past 25 years, mostly in the Middle East and the Balkans, Nelson explained. You were on your way to Langley for a desk job before retirement when 9-11 happened. Based on your field experience, Waller tapped you and your expertise as his chief of staff. What about his current chief of staff? Oh, transferred to the NSA with promotion. That kind of legend takes months, years to engineer. I've worked on it a long time. A contingency of former CIA operations director and I worked out many, many years ago. Waller is a total public servant, not an administration lackey, which means he is on shaky ground unless he appears to be on board with them. Still, he could be gone on a whim, so I want a person on the inside, here and in Afghanistan. And I want that person to be official. Waller's got the flick. When I suggested activating the plan, he agreed right away. He's setting everything up on his end. I've worked with CIA case officers who know I'm directorate. Waller will smooth that over. You see, they only thought you were directorate. You were a CIA plant in the directorate. Nelson gave her his boyish grin. Really, rather brilliant, wouldn't you say? How long have you had me in mind for this? Well, I didn't have you in mind at all, until now. If the need ever arose for the plan, I would match an operative to it, and now you're the one. She gave him her best skeptical expression. As Walla's chief of staff, I'll be in on White House briefings and I'll expect a detailed report from you about each one. At these briefings, am I to be circumspect? Nelson leaned back on the sofa, bringing his feet up onto the sofa table, a hint of a smile on his lips. I expect you to go on the record when you need to, and in your inimitable way. If Alexei were here, he'd read what Nelson really meant in a heartbeat. But she had to flip all the possibilities through her head on her own. Finally, it dawned. You want me to stir things up. I want you to make them uncomfortable. I want them to know someone is watching. I especially want Vice President Stodden to know someone is watching. He's into some shit I don't know about yet, and you know how that pisses me off. The media act as if it's some big joke that Arbust is Stodden's puppet. But it ain't kosher when the guy assigned to pick your running mate decides he's the man for the job. Is Stodden someone's plant? His own? 
he's the past head of that cabal of ultra-right-wing businessmen and politicians I've been watching for years. Your alt-right thing. Yes. Among them are a lot of A-list military contractors. Eight months into the Arbostaden administration and we have a war brewing. Something we know they've wanted for a while. Your source? Nelson grinned. Before he died, the late Edwin Terrell gave me everything he knew about these Neanderthals who hired him. But the white paper's in your legend file. Again, I'll summarize. A contested election for the first time in over a century, a succession of conservative and moderate presidential appointments to the judiciary, and the Supreme Court now slew and riot, a major act of terrorism perpetrated by foreigners, an inevitable war. And where are Stodden's assets? In a blind trust? Nelson snorted. <laughs> My ass! The top contractor on that A-list to profit the most from any war in that oil-rich area of the world will be Fullerton Specialties. Now, who was their CEO before he took his current job? Ah, Mai said with a nod. Vice President Delbert Stodden. Yeah, an old birdie made sure Arbus cabinet and national security positions are full of neocons and chicken hawks slavering for an excuse to attack Iraq, the war they think Arbus daddy left unfinished. As he talked about Stodden and the right wing, my noted Nelson's southern accent had deepened, bringing to mind overalls and a sprig of straw in his mouth. I know we're not yet ten days from 9-11, but nothing so far points to Iraq for that operation, Mai said. Because there is no connection. As you know, the hijackers were all Saudis or Egyptians, financed by al-Qaeda, financed by bin Laden. According to Waller, it's Stodden who wants the CIA to make that connection, even if they have to manufacture intelligence. Mai wanted to laugh at the lunacy, but Nelson was dead serious. Oh, by the way, another aspect of your mission is to cast doubt on that at every opportunity. Well, that could be an easy job. Selling two wars to the American people might be tough. Oh, don't you know, he said, the accent even thicker, the American psyche has been deeply wounded. We can't survive another attack. Please, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, do whatever you need to protect us from those horrible bad people. He took a breath, and his voice returned to its usual neutral timbre. The Arbust administration has vowed to keep America safe, and it has vowed to exact revenge for the attack on us. They have a blank check from the American people, and don't underestimate the Gobelsian tendencies of the neocons. Is that even a word? Mai asked jokingly, hoping to mask the fact this mission had definitely intrigued her. I think I may have coined it. And you're referring to Goebbels' adage that if you tell a lie often enough, it becomes truth. The unofficial mantra of this administration and its political base, Nelson replied. Put aside the skepticism I know you have about this arrangement. The only way I'm going to get my boots on the ground in Afghanistan right now or in the White House is through subterfuge. 
the U.N. will be blocked at every opportunity. And you know how I hate being out of the loop. I can't even imagine that ever being the case. Before 9-11, I sank the nomination of a foaming-mouthed neocon named Hank Haverkamp as U.N. ambassador. Now, suddenly, my contacts in Congress aren't returning my calls, even the ones I have something on. One of them revived Haverkamp's nomination, and this Congress doesn't want to be seen as not giving the president what he wants and needs in a time of crisis. Elections next year, you know, so we'll have a U.N. ambassador who'd rather see the building dismantled than report for duty. The Secretary General doesn't have the gonads to push back, which means the Directorate is shut out of any actions related to 9-11, especially since we can prove Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with it, thus undercutting the lies they'll use to start a second war. In the CIA, you'll be my eyes and ears, legs and hands, and the only way to get you into Afghanistan to find Alexei is as CIA. My shrugged and said, My pockets are deep. I could manage it on my own. No, I want you to have official aegis. That's my last word on it. He'd made a good case. She knew that. But she wasn't about to let him know that so easily. Kolya and Burov, especially Burov, I'll want them with me, Mai said. I think passing the two of them off as CIA contractors is beyond even me. How about this? They're my private bodyguards. They don't have to come to Langley with me. What with my having been mysteriously undercover for so many years and run so many operations, I'm sure I've created the need for bodyguards. The smile he gave her was the one where he knew something she didn't. She'd seen it often enough. You see, the paramilitary side of the CIA has been hiring for months, watching, waiting for an excuse. And we got it on 9-11. A brand new company has scored a contract, NB Systems. I'm sure they'll be happy to take on two former Russian army soldiers with extensive combat experience. NB Systems. Yours. And B, of course, Alexei's. I didn't want him to tell you because I don't want your money entangled with this. Besides, you're not the only entrepreneur around. Well, then you could have your own assets in Afghanistan. Mine, yes, but not the directorates. And for now, it's a shadow company, something Stodden and his ilk are all too familiar with. In the future, let's say... I'm looking toward my eventual retirement. Dear God, no time soon. That'll mean Merlin will be in charge. Nelson smiled again. Don't count on it. Are you in? I can see several ways my cover could be blown. One pretty obvious way, in fact. Oh, FBI Director Emmett Brasso? Oh, he'd take great pleasure in pointing out I'm not who I say I am and he'd violate a federal law in the telling, but I've secured his cooperation. Nelson's grin became sly. You know exactly what I have on him. She did indeed. She'd gotten that intel herself. So, take a few days off per doctor's orders, Nelson told her. Stuck in the house with the madding crowd? No, thank you. 
All right. Tomorrow morning, report to Langley. Your ID is in your legend file. Study tonight because day after tomorrow. You'll accompany Director Waller to the White House for a national security briefing. He leaned toward her, eyes narrowed. Beard, the fucking lion in its fucking den. All right, that's enough for this week. We've still got another three weeks before the book comes out, and I don't want to give it all away. I'll give you the first heads up that there will be no podcast the week of June 13th, so no podcast on June 16th. And that's because I'll be at a week-long writer's workshop in that time frame. The workshop is intensive, so I won't get a chance or have the facilities to record an episode. So no podcast on June 16th, and I'll remind you again in next week's episode, too. I hope you're enjoying June so far. We've had some good weather where I live, and it's been great to enjoy some outdoor dining. My town shuts its main street off to traffic on the weekends, and our restaurants set up seating outside in the street. And good weather makes for great dining al fresco. Good weather also makes for more spies. So do your job and keep an eye out for spies. The proceeding has been a production of Unexpected Paths Media, copyright 2022, all rights reserved. Join us next week for a new episode of the Real Spies, Real Lives podcast. And don't forget to stand with Ukraine.